It's Ollie from History Profiles, and this video will be about the famous and legendary demigod, Heracles, or as he is known today, Hercules. He was born in a mythical age, where great beasts would roam all the land and cause havoc and devastation. In this tale, a hero would rise in ancient Greece, and would be immortalised through his great deeds and triumphs. However, there was also a dark and disturbing side to Hercules, as with us all, there is both dark and light in all of us, and Hercules was no different. This is his story. The circumstances of the birth of Hercules are legendary. You see, the king of the gods, Zeus, looked down on earth and saw a land full of lesser men, which could not defeat or tame these great beasts ravaging the earth. He also saw a land full of constant war and strife. Zeus knew that the mortals on earth needed a hero, and who better than his own blood. Zeus chose a woman named Alcmena to bear his child, and she was descended from the great hero Perseus. This would allow their child to become a great king due to his legendary bloodline. However, the wife of Zeus, Hera, had been watching his actions in the shadows. Full of spite and rage of her husband's affair with the mortal woman, she told herself she would do everything in her power to make the life of this bastard boy hell. Aware that Zeus had sworn an oath to make the next descendant of Perseus king, she delayed the birth of Heracles with her power, which allowed another descendant of Perseus to be born before Heracles. A boy named Eurystheus, who would later become the next High King of Mycenae. Zeus was infuriated by this act, as his son would now be king of nothing. Due to this, he gave Heracles some extra help. He would bring the baby boy to his home in Olympus. Whilst his wife Hera was sleeping, Zeus placed Heracles on her breast, and he was able to suckle on the goddess's milk, giving him even more power than he was destined to have. An example of Heracles' newly acquired power was when Hera tried to kill the infant baby boy. She spawned two snakes in the room of Heracles, trying to kill him. But the boy simply grabbed the two snakes in each hand, and crushed them with his grip. He was later found by his nurse playing with the dead serpents, as if they were toys. As Heracles grew up, it was evident that his character was still that of a normal man. He was passionate, brave, and restless. However, he had one characteristic that would cause him much pain in his later life, and that was his temper. Once infuriated, he would develop a blind rage and with his extraordinary strength, this would prove deadly to both friend and foe. In the youth of Heracles, he was learning to play the lyre, but he didn't have the skill to play the instrument well. With constant corrections from his tutor Linus, he grew angry, and in a fit of rage hit him over the head with the lyre, crushing his skull and killing him. He was then sent away to ten flocks of sheep to keep him out of trouble, and to try to calm his mind. However, Heracles was restless, and hearing that the Theban army had been defeated by a band of Minions, and feeling this was unjust, he would lead the Theban army, and decimate the forces of the Minions. King Creon of Thebes then gave Heracles his daughter Megara to marry as a sign of gratitude. The two would live happily in Thebes, and would have three children. However, the goddess Hera was ever watchful, and would put a spell on the mind of Heracles that would change his life forever. 
Hera had placed a spell on Heracles that would induce madness. When Heracles arrived at his family home, he murdered his wife and then his three children in a fit of rage. Once Hera's work was done, Heracles would come around and clearly see a bloodbath in his home and his whole family dead. He would shake and cradle their bodies in his arms, weeping and screaming, for in that moment his whole life had come to an end. Heracles would then escape Thebes a broken man and go into exile for his crimes were unforgivable. He needed to repent for his sins, for his inner demons were beginning to get the better of him. The only thing he could think of was to visit the Oracle of Delphi for guidance. Heracles would ask the Oracle how he could repent for his crimes, and the Oracle responded he would have to serve Eurystheus, the King of Mycenae, for ten years. If he completed this service, not only would his sins be atoned for, but his father Zeus would make him immortal. Heracles would travel to Mycenae, and his cousin Eurystheus was overcome with joy, as he had heard of feats by his cousin Heracles, and couldn't wait to have him in his service. Although they shared the same bloodline, being descendants of Perseus, the two were complete opposites. Heracles was brutally strong and had courage, while King Eurystheus was a coward and was weak. The king told Heracles he would have to complete ten labours over the course of ten years, but there were rules. He couldn't complete the labours with any help and he could not accept payment for any of these tasks. Heracles humbly accepted and asked what his first labour would be. Before I go through the labours, here's something from our sponsor, CuriosityStream. CuriosityStream is like the Netflix but for history lovers. It has captivating documentaries covering every topic, not just history. It also has non-fiction TV shows covering topics like nature, science, food, history, technology, travel and much more. I have personally been watching Apocalypse World War II, which shows declassified footage of World War II that has been fully restored in high definition, but I won't spoil it for you, check it out for yourself. You can watch this and so much more from your smart TV, tablet, smartphone and other devices, so you can enjoy it while relaxing at home or on your commute to work. If you use the code HISTORYPROFILES to sign up, you get a full year's membership for just $14.99, which is a huge discount from the original price. If CuriosityStream sounds like you, then use the link and code in the description box below. Now, King Eurystheus told Heracles of a golden lion that had been rampaging around his kingdom, and no one could kill it. Its skin could not be pierced by any weapon, and its claws were sharper than any sword in existence. Heracles accepted his task and went off to figure out how to kill the beast. Knowing he could not kill it with a spear or sword, Heracles began training to further increase his godly strength. He would lift huge rocks overhead, uproot trees and would snap huge branches resembling tree trunks. Whilst Heracles was training, he pulled up an olive tree that was perfectly shaped. This would become his defining weapon his legendary club, representing his brute strength. Now stronger than ever, and with an iron will, he went to confront the beast, known as the Nemean Lion. He made his way to its cave, and smacked the beast with his club, stunning it. 
He then wrestled with the beast until he got a firm grip around its neck and then strangled it to death with his godly strength. He had just completed his first labour. He then pulled off one of the lion's claws and used it to skin the hide off it. Heracles would then wear the lion's fur as armour for his other tasks. Heracles then returned to his cousin King Eurystheus upon completion of his task. He would march into his great hall wearing the lion's pelt. Eurystheus was so scared of Heracles' new guise that he hid in a bronze war jar and from that moment announced that all labours be communicated through a spokesperson known as Corpreus. This further portrayed his cowardice. His second labour would be one of his hardest and that was to slay the Lenaean Hydra. He travelled to Lake Lerna where the Hydra dwelt, however his nephew Iolaus wanted to help his hero uncle and followed him as he wanted to see Heracles' new feet with his own two eyes. Heracles upon reaching the Hydra's lair would cover his mouth and nose with a cloth to protect him from the poisonous fumes radiating from the beast. Heracles would encounter the Hydra and would gaze at it in horror. It was a foul looking huge serpent with nine heads, with one head being immortal. Heracles mustered up his courage and swung his club at one of the beast's heads, causing it to explode upon impact. However, to Hercules' surprise and disgust, the creature simply grew back two more heads. Heracles would then frantically swing his club at the beast's heads, but he would soon be facing a creature with dozens of heads. He grew weary and hopeless, thinking that this task would be the death of him, as the blood of the Hydra was the most poisonous substance on earth and would cause instant death if it came into contact with a mortal. His nephew Iolaus was eager to help. He soon made himself known and armed himself with a torch. Heracles upon seeing his nephew was emboldened and carried on the fight. Each time Heracles decapitated a head, Iolaus would cauterize the wound with his torch, stopping the Hydra from regenerating. The two would fight the beast for a long while until only its immortal head remained. Heracles would decapitate the immortal head and buried it while it was still wriggling and hissing under a great rock. He then dipped some of his arrows in the Hydra's poisonous blood, knowing this would help him on his future labours. His third labour would be to bring back the Serenian hind alive to King Eurystheus, as he wanted to gaze on its magnificent beauty. The hind looked like a huge female deer, which was said to be larger than a bull, and had golden antlers like a stag and hooves of bronze. This mythical creature was so swift on foot that King Eurystheus thought Heracles would have no chance in capturing it. Heracles would set out to capture the hind, and upon gazing on it, he was left stunned, for its splendour and magnificence was like nothing he had ever seen, and he was left in awe of the beast. However, sensing his presence, the beast fled, this led Heracles to hunt the beast for well over a year. Due to its magnificence, Heracles did not want to harm the beast, but due to its speed, he had to. He shot and maimed the beast with an arrow, slowing it down enough for him to catch it. However, once he had caught the hind, the goddess Artemis appeared before him and accused him of trying to kill her sacred animal. The god Apollo also presented himself to Heracles. Heracles then, ever so humble, told the gods that he had only hurt the hind out of necessity. They then allowed him to take the hind back to Eurystheus, 
Thus, his third labour was complete. The fourth labour of Heracles was to bring back the Aramanthian boar, a giant fear-inspiring creature. But after years of labours, Heracles intended to have a break, and before this task, he visited his good friend Pholus, who was a centaur, a half-man, half-horse. Upon the arrival of Heracles there was a celebration, and Heracles would tell Pholus and his centaur friends of his great labours while feasting and drinking. But Heracles would run out of wine, and would go to fetch some more. Unbeknownst to him, he grabbed a special wine jar, and drank from it. Now this jar of wine was special to the centaurs, and they could smell it as soon as it was opened. Driven mad by the disrespect of Heracles, they began to attack him. Heracles would begin shooting them with his arrows, which still had the hydra venom coated on them. Scores of centaurs would lay dead, and the rest would flee. Pholus, the close friend of Heracles, would marvel at one of the stray arrows on the floor, wondering how it had killed so many. But Pholus would drop the arrow on his foot. The hydra blood would then seep into his veins, killing him. A centaur named Nessus managed to flee the bloodbath, and he never forgot what happened to his friends. Heracles had just, unintentionally, caused a massacre. Heracles then carried on with his labour, and travelled to Mount Erymanthos, where he chased the boar down into deep snow, and then bound it in chains. He slung the boar on his shoulder, and travelled back to the kingdom of his cousin. He then presented it to him, but once again his cowardly cousin hid himself in his bronze war jar, begging Heracles to get rid of the beast. For Heracles' fifth labour, he was given the task to clean the Augean stables in a single day, now these stables were the home to 3,000 cattle, and had not been cleaned in 30 years. Due to this, the animal dung piled up so high, that no one dared clean it. King Eurystheus had not only given the task to Heracles because he thought it impossible, he also did this to humiliate him. So Heracles travelled to the Aegean kingdom, and would see their king, King Augeus. The king would bet Heracles that if he cleaned the stables in a day, he would give him one-tenth of the castle, thinking the task was not possible. He then sent his son Phileus to witness the labour. Upon inspection of the stables, Heracles knew it was not possible, and could not hope to clean all of the stables in one day. He then hopelessly began walking, and saw two rivers. He just got an idea. He began pushing huge boulders into the rivers, to redirect them through the stables. The rivers then would flow through the stables, cleansing them of all the filth. Heracles then returned to King Augeus, expecting payment, but the king refused to give him the cattle. Frustrated and infuriated, Heracles then returned to his cousin King Eurystheus for his next task. For his sixth labour, Heracles would be tasked with driving off the Stymphalian birds off the lands they would plague. These were man-eating birds with beaks of bronze, and they would swarm over the countryside, destroying crops, fruit trees, and killing the local townspeople. Heracles would travel to Arcadia to try to locate them. When Heracles tried to get to their nest, he realised he could not, as the marshland which they resided in could not support his weight. The goddess Athena, noticing Hercules' problem, gave him a rattle called Crotola, which was made by the Greek god of craftsmanship. Heracles then shook the Crotola, 
scaring the birds into the air, and he would then draw his bow and shoot the venom-coated hydra arrows at them, killing many. The remaining birds then flew far away, never to trouble Arcadia again. Heracles then picked up some of the dead birds and brought them to King Eurystheus as proof of his success. For Heracles' seventh labour, he was tasked to capture the Cretan bull. His cousin Eurystheus had ran out of ideas and sent Heracles to Crete, where the task of King Minos would count as a labour. Now, when King Minos was a boy, he prayed to the god Poseidon to send him a snow-white bull as a sign that he would ascend to the throne instead of his brothers. Poseidon sent him the bull, thinking he would sacrifice it to him, but Minos thought the creature was too magnificent, and he sacrificed an inferior bull instead. Enraged, Poseidon caused the wife of Minos to fall in love with the bull. She later gave birth to the half-man half-bull, known as the Minotaur. Poseidon then passed his rage onto the bull, causing him to lay waste to the land. King Minos told Heracles to capture the Cretan bull, as it was causing havoc. Heracles, having godlike strength, managed to wrestle the bull into exhaustion, thus capturing it. Heracles then tamed the beast, and rode the bull back to Mycenae, and came into the hall of his cousin, looking as magnificent as ever, with the great beast under him. Eurystheus offered to sacrifice the bull to Hera, but she refused, as she hated Heracles, and the sacrifice would further reflect his glory. So the bull was released and wandered the lands. Thus his seventh task was completed. Heracles' eighth labour was to bring back the mares of Diomedes. These horses were the biggest and strongest in all existence, but the horses were also inflicted with madness. This was attributed to their unnatural diet, which consisted of human flesh. Heracles would travel to the shores of the Black Sea to meet King Diomedes, the keeper of the beasts. King Diomedes was a savage and enjoyed feeding strangers and prisoners to his mares. The horses could not be controlled and were savage just like the king. They could not be tethered by a regular rope and instead needed to be bound by chains. It was said that King Diomedes was the son of Ares, the god of war, thus making him that much more dangerous. Upon arrival, knowing how King Diomedes treats strangers, Heracles killed all of his guards, and then began to fight with the king. This fight would prove to be extremely difficult for Heracles, even with his godlike strength. It was a long and even fight, which resulted in the two losing their weapons and fighting hand to hand. The fight would lead both men into the stables, where the pair began wrestling, trying to force one another into the manger of the mares. Eventually, Heracles managed to overpower Diomedes and threw him to the mares, where he was then devoured by his own beasts. It is said that this cured them from their hunger of human flesh, as all they longed for was their master's blood. Once they were calmed, Heracles brought the mares back to his cousin, King Eurystheus, they were then released into the wild. A descendant of these horses was said to be Bocephalus, who was Alexander the Great's horse, one of the greatest in antiquity. Now, for Heracles' ninth labour, he was instructed to bring back the girdle of Hippotela. Hippotela was the queen of the Amazons, a group of warrior women who were better than men in both physical agility and strength. Queen Hippotela was the daughter of Ares, the god of war, 
and wore the girdle as an emblem of her dignity gifted to her by her father. Heracles would set out with a band of warriors to the legendary home of the Amazons, and coming with peaceful tidings, he requested to see their queen. Queen Hippotila and Heracles would talk for a long while, Heracles telling her his life story, which resulted in him seeking the girdle. Full of sadness and awe of the hero's tragic but amazing life, she handed Heracles her girdle with no argument. However, the goddess Hera had still not forgotten about the bastard son of Zeus, and took the form of an Amazonian warrior woman. She would then spread a rumour that Heracles and his men were about to abduct their queen. The Amazonian warriors began massacring the friends of Heracles. Heracles looked below at his warriors and friends being killed. Thinking Queen Hippotila had tricked him, he swang his great club at her, killing her instantly. In a blind rage, he then began killing all the Amazonian women until they realised they were no match for him and fled. Heracles would look at his blood-stained hands, saddened as he had not come for bloodshed, and wondered if the completion of these tasks would truly atone him for the murder of his wife and children all those years ago. Heracles once again returned to his cousin and presented him the girdle of Hippotila. Eager to find out what his final task would be, he asked the king what he had to do next. He was ordered to capture the cattle of Geryon, which was guarded by a two-headed dog. The owner of the cattle was a giant named Geryon, a giant with three heads and six arms. Heracles would travel to Erythea on the other side of the known world. He would have to cross the Libyan desert, but this was not so easy for him. Heracles was not used to the scorching heat, and frustrated and weary, he shot one of his poison arrows at Helios, the god of the sun. Helios was impressed by the courage of Heracles, and gave him a golden cup, which floated on water like a huge ship. Heracles would then sail to the island of Erythea. He would quickly locate the cattle, but also saw Geryon, the giant with three heads. Heracles then saw his two-headed guard dog, but he simply swung his club and killed the dog within seconds. He then equipped his bow and shot the giant with his venom-coated arrows, killing him instantly. Heracles would then herd the cattle into his great golden cup and sailed back to Greece. Heracles was done. After ten long years and labours that nearly killed him, he rejoiced, for his past crimes would soon be forgiven and his inner demons would soon be no more. He presented the cattle to his cousin King Eurystheus, and it was visible to everyone that Heracles was overcome with joy. Unbeknownst to Heracles, the goddess Hera had visited Eurystheus the night before his arrival, and reminded him of the rules of the labours of Heracles. He could not receive any help, or accept payment for these tasks. Heracles had gotten help from his nephew in killing the Hydra, and he accepted payment from King Augeas when cleaning the Augean stables, even though the king never kept his side of the bargain. King Eurystheus smiled, and told Heracles he would have to complete two more labours due to this, and these next tasks would be near on impossible. Heracles' eleventh labour would be to steal the golden apples of Hesperides. He would have to travel to the mythical garden of the Hesperides, but the catch was, no mortal knew where this was. It is said that the golden apples would grant immortality to anyone that ate them, 
While trying to locate the gardens, Heracles ran into Prometheus, a titan god of fire. Mankind owed everything to Prometheus, as he stole fire from the gods and gave it to humans, allowing them to use it for both creation, such as the forging of metal and the cooking of food, but also for destruction. Zeus would punish him by binding him to a rock and sending a great eagle to eat his liver every day. His liver however would regenerate as he was immortal, but he lived a life of torment. Heracles had heard of this horror and broke the chains of Prometheus and killed the bird in the sky with his venomous arrows. The two would talk and Heracles asked if he knew the location of the garden, but Prometheus told Heracles that no mortal could pick the apples from the trees. He then told him that he should ask the titan Atlas. Heracles would travel far and wide and eventually found the titan. Atlas fought in the war of the titans and Olympians, but as the titans lost, Zeus forced him to hold up the skies and heavens for eternity. Heracles told Atlas of his quest and told him he would try and hold up the skies and heavens while Atlas went to get the apples. Atlas of course accepted as he could not remember the last time he walked the earth. Heracles would then hold all the skies and all the heavens and even with his godlike strength he found this task incredibly difficult. He thought this would be the death of him as his body could not take the immense weight. Just as Heracles was on the verge of his body breaking, Atlas returned with a basket of golden apples. He then tried to trick Heracles by telling him he would deliver the apples to King Eurystheus himself. Realising what was happening, Heracles then asked Atlas if he could hold the skies quickly to put on the pelt of the Nemean lion to absorb some of the impact. Atlas then took back the weight of the heavens and Heracles simply picked up the basket of apples and left Atlas there cursed to hold the sky for eternity. Heracles then presented his cousin with the golden apples, thus completing his eleventh labour. For Heracles' twelfth and last labour, he was tasked to capture and bring back Cerberus, a three-headed dog which was also the guardian of the underworld. Eurystheus, thinking this a death sentence, as no one had made it back from the underworld alive, thought this would be the end of his heroic cousin. Heracles would make his way to the underworld, and before entering, the god Hermes came before him, knowing that he would need a guide, otherwise he would get lost and forever trapped in the halls of the dead. Heracles entered the underworld through Cape Tenero and navigated his way through the dark labyrinth of wandering souls. Hermes, however, knowing the underworld well, took him a different route past Cerberus, straight to Hades, the god of the underworld. Heracles asked Hades for Cerberus, and Hades told him he would allow him to take his pet only if he mastered him without the use of weapons. Heracles would confront the great beast and would wrestle with him for hours, entertaining the dead. Eventually, Heracles managed to get a grip on the dog's chains. Exhausted, Cerberus then followed Heracles to the realm of the living. Heracles presented Cerberus to his cousin, and now free, he rejoiced in triumph. His sins were now atoned. Heracles was now well known from the kingdom of his cousin to distant lands. People had heard of his great labours and what a hero he was. He could now live life on his own terms, and he travelled to Thessaly, 
where he fell in love with Princess Ioli. However, King Ureus, the girl's father, promised whoever could best his sons in an archery contest could take her hand in marriage. Heracles won the contest easily, but the king then abandoned his promise. In a blind rage, Heracles then killed the king and all of his sons. Perhaps even after all these tasks, he had not changed after all. Remembering how King Augeas had not kept to his side of the bargain on his fifth labour, he travelled to his lands and killed him and all of his sons in retribution. He then sacked the city and took the cattle as his own. He would then travel to Egypt and upon arrival, many followers of the king would try to sacrifice Heracles to the gods. Heracles would kill them all and also their king and pharaoh, Busiris. Wherever Heracles went, death seemed to follow. Perhaps his greatest strength was also his greatest curse. He would also be involved in other massacres, such as the sack of Troy. This is not to be confused with the destruction of Troy, which happened later. Heracles would eventually settle down with a woman named Dianyra, marrying her. The two would journey to Tiryns, but on their way there, they would come across a great river. A centaur approached the couple, and this was Nessus, the survivor of the massacre Heracles had committed on the way to his fourth labour. He offered to carry Dianyra across the river, while Heracles swam it. However, once across the river, Nessus tried to steal his wife. Enraged, Heracles shot him with a poisonous arrow of the Hydra. Right before Nessus died, he apologised and gave Dianyra his blood-soaked tunic, telling her it will excite the love of her husband. She kept the tunic, just in case Heracles fell out of love with her. Several years later, Dianyra heard that Heracles was being unfaithful, as her famous husband was a hero to many women, and they would naturally flock to him. She then remembered the words of Nessus, and gave Heracles the blood-stained tunic. Heracles would put the tunic on, and realised that something was very wrong. The now poisoned blood of Nessus had crept into his skin, and was coursing through his veins. Heracles, due to his godlike strength, didn't die instantly, but was in unimaginable pain. He began frantically ripping chunks of his flesh out, exposing his bones, to try to make the pain stop, but it would not. Knowing he faced certain death, he began uprooting trees like a madman, and built his own funeral pyre. Dying, he then laid in the middle of it, instructing his close friend Philoctetes to light it. With his arm shaking, and tears falling down his cheek, Philoctetes could not believe that the mighty Heracles had met his end. He lit the pyre, and Heracles' mortal body was consumed by the flames. Zeus finally came from Olympus to claim his son, since he had completed his labours. He then took the soul of Heracles, which then ascended to the heavens. Heracles was now immortal, and adjoined his father. After his death, Heracles became a legendary figure, and was worshipped as a god. The life of this mythical man was full of glory and triumph, but was also full of lust, sin and murder. Do you think Heracles was a hero, or do you think his sins outweigh his great deeds? Let me know what you think in the comment sections down below, and I'll see you all soon for another History Profile.